Welcome to Discovering Africa Through Technology, the podcast series that showcases the brilliance of Africa's great minds, innovators and experts as they tackle complex challenges with homegrown solutions driven by knowledge, technology and innovation. Our podcast is inspired by the African Union Agenda 2063 Aspiration 7, which seeks to rebrand Africa and change negative narratives and perspectives through science, technology and innovation. We believe that Africa has the power to solve its own development challenges and become a strong, united, resilient, peaceful and influential global player and partner. Join us as we explore the transformative potential of technology in Africa with your host Razia Kulatein Mwanga and learn from the experts driving change on the African continent. And in today's program we shall be talking about vaccines production and we are privileged to have an expert in the program today who will tell us about his journey on how he started and where he is. He's currently a WHO vaccine candidate for COVID-19. Uh, Dr. Oladipo Elijah Kolowale is the head of department of microbiology at Adekele K University. He's also a principal investigator and also the founder of Helix Bygon Institute Nigeria uh, which produces vaccine and diagnostic kits which is uh, produces vaccine and is also a diagnostic kit developer. He's a molecular epidemiologist bioinformation. He is the team leader for the COVID-19 candidate vaccine that is currently on WHO draft landscape for all COVID-19 vaccine candidates. He is also the founder of Helix Bygon. He is happily married to his pretty wife and they are blessed with one wonderful child. He is an, also an international fellow of Indian Council of Medical Research, Africa Union, STRC. He is also an experienced chief executive officer with a demonstrated history of working in the research industry. Dr. Oladipo has published seven research articles in double-blind, peer-reviewed national and international journals. He has authored one book and 42 national and international conference proceedings. He is a specialist on infectious diseases caused by virus and antimicrobial resistance. His major research focuses on infectious diseases caused by RNA virus, molecular epidemiology, surveillance, diagnosis, pathogenesis, molecular immunology, viral immunology, and oncology, viral computational biology, antiviral resistance, and antibiotics. Apart from that, he is also a member of many professional scientific organizations, including the American Society for Microbiology, International Society for Infectious Diseases, Society for Applied Microbiology, African Society for Laboratory Medicine, International Society for Computation Biology, African Society for Bioinformatics and Computation Biology, New England Bioinformatics Group, International Veterinary Vaccinology Network, World Society for Virology, and International Society for Influenza and Other Respiratory Virus Diseases, and also the Nigerian Bioinformatics and Genotics Network. And also, he is a member of the Surveillance and Epidemiology of Drug-Resistant Infectious Consortium, 
Southwest Regional Coordinator for Nigerian Bioinformatics and Genomics Network and African Vaccine Manufacturing Initiative, a continental initiative to advocate for strengthening Africa's capacity to develop and manufacture vaccines. He has a PhD in microbiology, medical virology, immunology option from Lako Ladoke, Ankitola University of Technology, Ogbomoso Ede Osun State, Nigeria. He has a Master of Science in Medical Microbiology and Parasitology, which is virology option. And he also has a B.Tech degree in microbiology. So you can hear that his reputation precedes him. So welcome, doctor. And uh, can you tell us about your scientific journey and what motivated you to create the COVID vaccine? Yeah, thank you for having me on this call. It's a pleasure. Um, yes, I think uh, one of the things that um, I'm grateful, first of all, for bringing us on this platform to discuss our work so far on COVID-19 vaccine. And it's going to be noted that we felt that during the lockdown, everybody is uh, has been locked down at home. So we, I have the opportunity to go back to my private lab with my team members. And we felt that, yeah, this is the time to contribute to science, to contribute to life, to contribute to solution. And so far, we have the technology expertise. So we believe that we can do it. So we gather our team, which is our inter and interdisciplinary team members from different kinds of field and biomedical sciences. And we came together to do something and we made it and God helped us to achieve that great feat by developing two candidate vaccines to COVID-19 that made it to WHO draft landscape of COVID-19 vaccine candidates. So we, and luckily for us, majority of all of us that did the work, we are in the soil. We are living on African soil and we have few two or three people that are diasporas, they're Africans that join us online to add to the knowledge and the technology that we have on ground. Wow, that's quite interesting. Uh, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what the, the names of the two uh, vaccines you developed were? And also, can you tell us uh, how long did it take you to create those vaccines and the investment in terms of money? How much was that? I, I, I think for now, I may not be able to say precisely the amount of money that's involved in it, uh, because it, it really huge sum of money, uh, in which there is no funding from anywhere, nor from the government, nor from uh, private individual. But what we were able to do was that being the lab that established, we have some services we are rendering. So most of the money that we realized from the services were channeled to the R&D. And we have one of our principal investigators in person of Professor Kola Uluke, who is currently the vice chancellor of Precious Cornerstone University. He has a lab too that has developed drug called immunotrinohybe that's being used to boost the immune system. So from their own company too, they're able to channel some resources, financial resources to us to enable us get to the stage where we are presently. At a point in time, there was a call from CEPI. We applied, but we were not selected, but we were not, uh, we didn't allow that to serve, uh, uh, to, to, to demoralize us, we still move on. So majorly the work I'm self-funded 
by the organization, no government support and no any private individual support. Wow, that's interesting. So these are like-minded people with common interest and passion for medicine and uh, finding a cure for COVID-19 that uh, created that team. So how long, uh, how long did that take? Yes, I, I think I'll have a look at my schedule. We use four months to develop the two-candidate vaccine. And the team that work on that development, there are up to 30 of them. And we have evidence of some of our publications in some good journal in Springer Nature's and Essevia to substantiate the development part of the COVID-19 vaccine. So we use just four months to get that done with hard work. Uh, most of the time we work from Monday to Saturday, except Sunday that we don't work. And when we start work around eight o'clock, we leave the lab around 7 p.m. at night because it's lockdown and we need to work. We work day and night to make sure that we have our own meaningful contribution to science from Africa. Wow, interesting. Uh, thank you. You talked about uh, being self-funded and uh, the team comprised. You did this for four months and it involved 30 people. So I would just like to know, because you are also a professional member of many professional scientific organizations, including uh, the African Vaccine Manufacturing Initiative, which is a continental initiative to advocate for strengthening African's capacity to develop and manufacture vaccines. Was there any support that you got from this initiative? Yes, I got support because that was the time I joined the initiative and the initiative has organized a lot of webinars, a lot of meetings that have enhanced our knowledge, our skills and our approach uh, to the ongoing work we have at hand. So I can categorically say that it's indeed a blessing to me joining such an uh, a organization that has a future, the mindset of African that in future, most of the African to be, uh, most of the vaccines to be consumed by African will be developed, produced in the soil of Africa or in African continent at large. Thank you very much. Uh, they helped in kind. Okay, I would also like to know that yeah. uh, you find that most vaccines that Africans use are produced by other countries. They're not produced in Africa. You as a scientist and somebody who has worked and an expert in creating vaccines and research, what do you think is the problem that we don't have many African uh, vaccines? Is it the capacity of people? Is it the resources? Or is it the bureaucracy that entails that business that makes it impossible for, to, for, for us to have limited uh, vaccines? I, I think the issue of vaccine in Africa is so complex and multifaceted. And one of it is that uh, we have a lot of people in Africa that have the capacity. And we can see that it has to do with government policy. There were policy in Africa that will support African scientists. Because it's not about you developing uh, a vaccine. You could think about the consumption too. Uh, look at what is happening in South Africa now. Uh, we'll, we, who is going to buy? And look at most of the African countries. It's only a few African countries that bought the vaccine. They were waiting for the donations. So most of the vaccines that we use in Africa were donated. So even if eventually into vaccine development and production, 
the question is where is the market? Are Africans ready to buy from Africa? And those are the challenges that we are having. And that has to do with policy at African Union level. And I believe that the leaders in Africans, they were looking up to that, seeing how we can come up with a strategy, with a landscape that are able to support even future African is truly ready to produce a vaccine for the, uh, for the continent so that to enhance the uptake of vaccine. Just like a digression, look at what is happening now uh, for malaria vaccine. The malaria vaccine that Ghana and Nigeria has just approved is going to be mass produced at Serum Institute, not, which is in, in Asia, not even in Africa. So the African Union, the government, the African government in general in totality need to put down a policy that will support those in this field of vaccine production and manufacturing in Africa. Wow, that's interesting. I know that the African uh, Union has its uh, policy formulating organization and then it monitors, but the bulk of the work is it depends on government will to support and put uh, finances. Because according to the African Union Science, Technology and Innovation Strategy, every government has been mandated to contribute 10% of their GDP into technology, uh, into science, technology and innovation, which includes supporting uh, local capacities to develop, working on policies to make sure that they are friendly for researchers so that they can work along producing vaccines, and also to promote science and technology. Have you ever heard of the Pan-African Vaccine Facility? Yes, I've heard about them and the kind of work they are doing to make sure that uh, we have a vaccine available in Africa. Okay, and uh, that vaccine that you created, you only took it to WHO and you did not have any partnership with this African facility? It has gotten to WHO list before I got to know about them. And to be candid, not that we went to WHO. Uh, I can remember how it all happened. They heard about us and they sent a message to us requesting for all our scientific procedures that we used for the work. And by the time we presented all our evidences and our scientific findings that we have that time, we saw that our candidate vaccine was listed. Even at the point of the development and design of the candidate vaccine, we never had it in dream that we're going to make it to the WHO list. We are just doing our work naturally to see how we can contribute to science, how African scientists in Africans can contribute to what is happening globally. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, now can you tell us more about your process? Because I know after you submitted, uh, I know there were about 235 people who submitted their vaccine to WHO. Can you tell us the process, how, how it was after creating the vaccine? Now, can you take us through the different stages that entail after production to where you are? You take us through the the clinical development, talk to us about the preclinical uh, development and the vaccine candidate. What is that exactly? Yeah, I, I think uh, the first thing that everyone scientists design out is vaccine candidate. Uh, it's been called vaccine candidate because it has some other procedure. 
after you have designed and developed your vaccine candidates, the next stage it moved to is the preclinical stage. And the essence of the preclinical stage is to assay for the safety and immunogenicity. Safety first, then followed by immunogenicity. What do I mean by safety? You need to sorry, get sorry. some. And so, sorry, sorry, Doctor. Can you okay? Please, can you repeat that? The, the the audio has become bad again. I don't know what you have done. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I have not done anything. Now it's network. Okay. Now, once you have your candidate vaccine developed, uh, designed and developed, it has to go through some stages. One of the first stage is the preclinical, and the essence of preclinical is to check if your vaccine is safe and immunogenic. So you are testing for safety and immunogenicity. And how is this done? It is done by using the small mammals. Yeah, you can use the mice. After the mice, you can use the monkeys. Some go ahead to use um, uh, pigs in order to check for safety. So you have some parameters. You, you sacrifice your animals, you take their blood samples, you take some tissues, the, the, depending on the experimental method that is involved. And even before taking the animals, you have started for uh, ethical approval for the use of that animal from appropriate authorities. And that is dependent on each country because each country has different laws and regulations that is guiding that. So once you have taken the ethical approval, so you cannot inoculate, uh, your, your, you can give your animals the shot and that time you'll be able to establish the dose because there will be different groups in the experiment. Those that will get boosters, those that will not get boosters, those that will get the placebo, uh, those that are, are given nothing. Then after the specific day, maybe depending on experimental design, maybe day seven, day 14, day 21, you try to collect samples from the animals. Then you're not asking for safety compared to the control group to be sure that a candidate vaccine that has been designed, developed, it's safe in animals for consumption. So once that is done, you can now move on and check for immunogenicity. Immunogenicity means that is there enough neutralizing antibodies produced by these animals that you cannot assay for it uh, in, in, in cell culture, looking at neutralization. You have the pseudovirus, but that's the start of SARS-CoV-2 uh, to look if the neutralizing antibody you have can neutralize those antibodies. If that is gotten, you submit your data to appropriate quarters. Then if you have been approved, you can now move on to clinical trial phase one, clinical trial phase two, and clinical trial phase three. And some can combine phase one and phase two together. Uh, it depends on the, those phases is dependent on the size of individuals that you will be included in the study after ethical approval have been sought. So what we look for is how the individual are responding to the vaccines, look at uh, the site of the injection, are there any pain, is this swollen? So you record all those things and you subject all the data gotten, obtained into statistical analysis, whereby it's going to give an accurate scientific clinical information to the next stage of it. It's after all those phases have gone through uh, during COVID-19, we have some organizations that run one and two together. Then they were able to get emergency approval so that we can out the virus, so that edge immunity can be achieved in the community. So that's what are the processes. After all, we call post also, 
after people have been vaccinated for a long period of time, you still continue, the pharmaceutical industry continue to be monitoring individuals and see how they are responding to see if there are complications or not. So this is just the stages in summary for these uh, processes. Okay, uh, can you tell us where you, which stage your vaccine is now? Yeah, our vaccine candidates, we just finished the preclinical trial. Uh, we are able to assay for the safety for now. Uh, we are still working on the immunogenicity aspect of it. We have used mice. Uh, the last time I spoke with some of my uh, colleagues, scientists from a primate research institute in Kenya to use their facilities for the monkey, for trials of the monkey. Because the way we are working with my team, we want it to be African scientists that is not even within the African continent again, not Nigeria alone, but move with other scientists from other parts of African countries like Kenya, Uganda, so that it can be an holistic African approach, not Nigerian approach. So currently, that is the stage we have. What the us from moving faster than others is funding, because in African, you hardly see people putting money into R&D, uh, either charity, organization, or things like that. So it's not like what happened in the Western world. So that is why the last phase is there for us to do. But we still believe that with time, we're going to get it. Even if we don't get it for this COVID-19 vaccine, the skills, the knowledge, expertise we have acquired in this process, if for adventure in future, there's not another outbreak, it is easier and faster for us to adapt the technology that we have to a new outbreak. Because what you see in the Western world, not that they just started with COVID-19, they have been working on several pathogens. So when SARS-CoV-2 came up, they were able to adapt the technology existing to the new one. So that is why we never get discouraged, we keep moving, though the pace might be slower compared to other parts of the world, but we keep moving. Wow, that's, that's quite interesting. I like the idea of a holistic stage or where you are looking at not giving glory to only the Nigerian scientists, but also you are looking to collaborate so that it can be an African thing, just like the African spirit, creating the Africa we want. Exactly. So going forward, now you, you are talking about the safety profile. How long will that take and for it to be done until this vaccine is finally passed and it can be used for, for COVID-19? I think for now, we finished the safety profile. The result is available, though not yet published. It's a published result. The results were fantastic, looking at the booster dose and the, uh, compared to the placebo. So we are so very happy uh, compared to even what we have in the existing uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Though what we work on is protein subunits. Though we have another candidate we have designed, which is uh, mRNA, that we put into factor all the circulating variants. But that one, we've never started the clinical trial, preclinical trial on that. But the safety uh, made us very happy because the candidate vaccine here is very safe. We have asked for that, is the immunogenicity. But if there is funding within one year, we should be able to run through the whole process by the special case of court, if there is enough money to work with. So you are saying that you have already tested it on mice and prebacks. So the other part that is remaining yes. is to test this on people now. We, we want to test on monkeys. We've done that of mice. That's why we're talking with our, our colleague in Kenya, because we can't stay on mice again. We have to move to monkey too. So after we've completed the two, we can compare the results. Then if we have a good result from the monkey too, then we cannot be talking about uh, human trial. Okay, that's interesting. So 
uh, I'm, I'm just thinking because COVID-19 is over right now. And yeah. so is that vaccine still relevant? Well, like I said during my last discussion, that even if we did not get it to the population, we will never relent on our efforts. Because all the expertise and the ups and downs we have learned from this, if in future there are any other pandemic, we can leverage on the experience we have gathered on this to solve that future program, our future challenge. And that is what we call research. So it doesn't end. Even this time that COVID-19 has subsidized because uh, it's not as common like we say, that doesn't mean in future something else cannot come up. Then we can leverage on the skills, the technology we have acquired in this process in the any future occurrence that might occur in the future. Oh, thank you. So like, how much money are we talking about to finish this vaccine? Because you talked about yeah. for looking for funding. Like, how much does that look like? Yeah, for, for now, if it's like $200,000, we should be able to finish our phase one clinical trial. Wow, I didn't know this was very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. So uh, going forward, uh, this ex what has this experience taught you as as an african scientist and an expert in building african vaccines what have you learned that other african leaders experts like you can learn and have in mind if we want to build a strong africa that is self-reliant depending on its experts and expertise to create our own solution yeah one of the major things i've learned is we need to work together as a team and we need to leverage on other strengths. Once we see that, it is easier for us to be self-dependent. And we need the support of the government. Like one of the things I've only enjoyed is that one of the national news, uh, our, the Minister for Science and Technology then just congratulated our team. And uh, that was just all. And we believe that we can do it. And there is something I've been telling people that if you look at the Western world, all the vaccines that were created and done by Western world is not done by government. It was done by private organization, only that the government supported it. So African governments, you know that the government cannot produce the vaccine. They need to support the private individuals that are doing this work, creating an enabling environment and making funds accessible to them to achieve this. So if you look at uh, VISA, all of them, they are not government-owned organization but the US government supported. Look at Serum Institute, it's not owned by India government, but it's a private organization. So the African gov government, uh, each country should support every organization, private organization in their country that is trying to find a solution to a problem. Uh, the, the, the next thing is that uh, our government needs to rightly support science and not even science alone, research and development. It's not the culture of Africans to invest into science. And one thing I've seen about us in Africa is that we have a lot of programs. You take scientists out to train, by the time they come back home, there is no facility, there isn't a living environment. So it's not about capacity development, again, it's about the capacity retention. How do we retain the capacity that we have developed? So the government has a lot of role to play by providing an enabling environment for scientists and kind of research so that they can do that. Then we need uh, non-profit organizations supporting African-based non-profit organizations, not Western-based non-profit organizations that will support African scientists 
in order to really find solutions to African-based challenges in life. So these are the things I feel that we should be talking about in African, and we need to encourage ourselves to do more than what we are doing presently. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you for raising those issues because governments have different priorities and as much as they try to invest, uh, they have to invest. There are so many sectors that people need to invest in. But thank you for bringing that up, that we have the expertise, we also have experts and all that is needed. And also the goodwill is there because we have also seen the goodwill where you've partnered and you've not gotten any funding from anywhere, but people have pulled on resources. I would just like to know from you, what would you like to tell other researchers? Because if what you've talked about, it's a common problem that all researchers in Africa are going through. So what would you like to tell them on how to go about this? Because you have done what you have done and the challenges you've experienced. So what advice would you have for people who are doing things like you, thinking of doing things like you, what would you like to tell them? My, my message to all my co-scientists and senior scientists is that even if no one is supporting you, continue. Use the available resources. Like, like I said, the pace might be slower, but we'll have one or two lessons to have learned in the process. The lesson learned today might not be useful for today's experience, but by tomorrow, we're going to make sure that that experience is useful. And we keep on building capacity so that the capacity of people of upcoming young scientists will be enlarged and we have a lot of things to solve. And another thing I want to talk with our co-scientists that we should collaborate within each other. And that we enhance our work, we bring credibility to our work and that will enable us to pull resources together and achieve a common goal. That is all what I have for now. Thank you very much, Dr. Oladipo, Elijah, Paula Wole for your time and sharing your insights on your journey to create the COVID vaccine, where you started with 235 competitors and only two African countries made it to the final vaccine candidate stage, which was Nigeria and Egypt. Thank you also for sharing your insights on the capacity and willingness of African innovators and scientists to create solutions for African challenges like your COVID vaccine. And also the issues you pose that the government needs to do more and the African Union needs to do more to create better policies and also invest in science and technology because this is the future of Africa if you want a strong African. And from me to you, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, this is Razia Mwawanga. This podcast has been produced through the African Women in News Speech Zone winners and funded by the African Union. And the contents of this program are the sole responsibility of the producer and do not necessarily reflect the views of African Women in Media and the African Union. Until next time, Thank you for tuning in. It's me, Razia Mawanga. Thank you.